Hallelujah. Let's come on back toward this way. And we'll prepare to go into the word of the Lord this morning. If I can have everybody to stand and uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter number 6. Matthew chapter number 6, and we'll begin reading in verses 25 down through verse 23. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, on down through verse 33. When you get there, you can say, Amen. Amen. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, don't, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first, everybody say first, first. the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Let's pray. Father, we consecrate ourselves afresh to you this morning, anxiously awaiting for you to minister to us. We position our hearts and our minds to hear what thus saith the Lord. Take these lips of clay, use me, empower me, equip me, Father, that I might speak only and precisely what you want to say to your people. None of me and all of you. Father, will somebody's life be transformed from the deposit that you're going to deposit today? And may our life, Father God, represent you in every aspect as we learn, Father, about how you take care of and provide for your children. We give you praise, glory, and honor. And all God's people said amen. Amen. You may be seated in his presence this morning. Today we're going to be talking about, and we're still in our series, The Battle is the Lord. Last week we talked about the power of our praise. That when we praise and worship God in faith, that it moves and motivates God to move on our behalf. Today we're going to talk about the keys or I should say a key to God's provision. 
I have been so excited um, this year. How many know we've had a great year at FCF? Amen. Come on, clap your hands. And God has done marvelously. I can recall that at the turn of a year, for some of you who are not here, we didn't know what was going to be happening. And uh, from day one, that the people of God, we came together and God did a mighty work in all of our lives. And our church has been transformed because of it. We came here, we needed a place to worship within a week. How many know God provided? Uh, we needed a sound system. At the time, we had to use the school sound system. But how many know God provided us with our own sound system, better than the one that we had before? And we came here, we didn't have chairs, but how many know God provided chairs? We thought that it might take a year or two to ratify some debt, but how many know within the next month or two, we would be completely debt-free. Hallelujah. Amen. Why is that important to you and me? Because when you take care of God's business, he take care of ours. And I have discovered time and time again that God is faithful. We serve a God who is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. And I don't just say that because I've heard it or I've read it. I say it because I lived it. So this morning, we want to talk about God's provision for his people because all of us on some level, we believe in God and trust in God for something. Amen. Amen. And you need to have confidence that God got your back. He sent me here to let you know this morning that he does have your back and that there, is, there are great things in store for you. There are great things in store for this church. We haven't seen nothing yet. Amen. God is an awesome God. Amen. He delights in taking care of his kids. Amen. The Bible says if we've been evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more yes, yes. will God give to those who trust him? How many know he's faithful? But, but there is a key ingredient that we got to talk about. Because all of us want to experience God's provision and blessing. Amen? Amen. But how many know that there are some things that are conditional as it relates to God? I love Matthew chapter 6. Because particular passage we just read because Jesus tells us not to worry about a thing. He says, don't worry about, don't you be concerned about what you're going to eat, where you're going to live, clothes. He, it's almost, if you read that very carefully, it's almost like God is saying, why are you stressing over that? How I many know that if God wanted to, he can put you up anywhere he chose to put you up? He says that he knows what we have need of, watch this, before you even pop the question or the request. He already knows what we have need of. So then, what's the issue? How many of you have a need this morning? <laughs> You're needing something. You're believing God for something. Let me tell you something. God got a word for you. Now, as it relates to the kingdom of God, and the focus verse is, Verse 33, he says, seek first the kingdom. And then all of these things will be added unto you. Now, 
How many know that God is not a man that he should lie? I said, how many of you believe that God doesn't lie? If God said it, it's going to happen. If God said it, it's a done deal. Seal it, it is done. He said, now, if you seek first the kingdom, that's what he said, right? Seek first the kingdom and all of these things. Food, clothing, where I'm going to live, how I'm going to eat, all that. He said, don't even worry about that. I got all that. That's not important to me. It's not that important to God. It's important, but it's not that important. Don't elevate it to the place where it need not to be. God says, because I know what you need before you even ask me. So he says, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added. So then I need to understand what it means to seek first the kingdom. Can we talk about that? Because we understand that seeking first the kingdom is the gateway to God's provision. I want to say it again. Seeking first the kingdom is the gateway to God's provision. What does it really mean to seek the kingdom? Does it mean simply that I go to church, that I read my Bible? That's all part of it. But is it, is it relegated to just that? Absolutely not. It's much, much more than that. So if Jesus said, that if I seek first the kingdom and all of these things will be added to me, then I really need to understand what is seeking first the kingdom. When Jesus says seek first, how many know what first means? Amen. First means it comes before everything what? Yes. When you seek first the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God becomes the most important thing in your life. Try, stay with me. When you seek first the kingdom, that means that nothing else is more important to you than fulfilling God's purpose in the earth. When we seek first the kingdom, God's kingdom take precedent over my job, my family, my work, everything else. When I seek first the kingdom, everything else falls in place. See, Jesus put it another way. And this is deep. Now I want you to stay with me. Jesus said it this way. He says, if you love father, brother, mother, sister, more than me, you're not worthy of me. Now some of us listen, look at that and we say, man, that's, that's really cruel. Well, well, it's not really cruel when you look at it in this context. Everything that is good and perfect came from him. Right. Your kids, your job, your resources, God gave you all of it. And so, listen, if you're being blessed and you're happy about what you got, you ought to be praising. Lord, thank you because you blessed me with all of this. Thank you, Lord, for my kids. I love my, Lord, thank you. But don't you put anything ahead of him. Because God will never be second to nothing in anybody else. So when we say seek first the kingdom, we need to ask ourselves, is the kingdom the top priority? So then every decision that I make in life, now I want you to stay with me, because this is a word, this is a revelation. That every decision I make in my life, I'm going to ask the question, how does it affect the kingdom? Every decision. If I want to buy a house, how does it affect the kingdom? If I'm going to relocate, how does that affect the kingdom? 
If I'm going to buy me a car, and I got this thing down for, you know, Can-Ams. Y'all see those new Can-Am things? Motorcycle. How would it affect the kingdom of God? Because if it have a negative impact on the kingdom, then I can't do it. It's not my time yet. But see, sometimes the people of God get mixed up on that. Because how many know we want what we want? <laughs> and, and, you know, we're pretty good at justifying what we want when we want it, right? I work hard. I've struggled. I deserve to have all of this when I want it. Yeah, yeah, you do. But, 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 but how many know that there's Jesus, why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? Who's the Lord? Jesus. So then we got it filtered in every decision that I make, everything that I do. The first question I'm going to ask is, what kind of impact is this going to have on the kingdom? Because some people cut back on the things of God in order to do other things. How I many you know you don't shortchange God? It's an insult. Well, you know, I, I really do want this car. I, I'll figure out it. Well, I can afford it. I'll just cut back on giving to God. Watch this. You are out of order. Because if the kingdom of God is number one in your life, that means that our job as the church is to make sure that the number one thing happened is that the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, reached the corners of the earth. And that if everything else in your life is all jacked up, the one thing that should never be jacked up is the kingdom. Amen. Okay, y'all, y'all don't believe. Listen, listen. If he says, seek first the kingdom. And everything else should be added. There's nothing else. The kingdom of God must be the focal point. It must be the central of everything that we are and what we do. But it comes with the promise. That's the beauty of it. He says, if you seek first the kingdom, I'll give you all that stuff you've been begging for. I'll give you all that stuff you've been praying for. But you've got to seek first my kingdom. My church, my kingdom must be first and foremost in your life. Nothing else takes precedence over that. Because he said, if I seek first the kingdom, I got everything else. So then I got to ask myself a serious question. All of us got to ask ourselves, am I really a kingdom seeker? Am I really a kingdom seeker? Or, it, or, or, or is God just in the mix? How many know God ain't ever supposed to be in the mix? He is the mix. <laughs> God ain't supposed to be in the mix. He ain't supposed to be among everything else. He is above all things. And that's the way we got to treat him. To treat him any other way, you set yourself up for failure. You will not, you will delay your provision until you understand that God must be first. Now, let's take it a step further. The condition. Look at the neighbor and say it's all the test. Now turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. You get there, you can say amen. I love this verse. Now, I want you to remember what God said. He says, now, I know what you have need of before you ask. So what that simply means is that God is in tune with, he understands, and he knows, and he, he is with me. I, I got to believe that, amen, that he has not forsaken me. 
that God has my back. Now watch this. So here we go in Deuteronomy chapter number 8. Let's start in verse number 2. You there can say amen? amen. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. How long have you been going through your problem? What, a couple years, six months, two years, three? Okay. I just want to put some perspective to it. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you. And to do what? Test. Let's start right there for a second. Test. Wow, test. You know, God testing us is no big secret. See, if you're, how many of you are teachers in the house? We got, I know we got two. I know Miss Canty. I know we got another teacher over here, my wife. Anybody else a teacher in the house? You know, a, a good teacher, a good teacher, everybody say a good teacher. a good teacher. A good teacher don't give you a test to fail you. A good teacher gives you a test because they want to make sure you got the information. They want to prove you. They want to see that you've passed it. They want to understand that you really got it. And so when they give you a test, they don't, they're not, how I many you know when Satan gives you a test, he tempts you, he wants you to what? Fall. He wants you to fall right on your face. How I many know the Bible said that, that Satan is a, he's a thief? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but not Jesus. Not God. When he gives us a test, he gives us a test because he wants to prove us. He wants us to pass the test, and in most cases, he's already given us the answers. I got a question for you. How are you doing on the test? How are you doing on the test? Because everybody, every one of us, watch, you're being tested on some level today in something as it relates to your life with God. You're in a test. I said you are in a test. And the question is, how are you going to do on the test? Because it's key to how God works in your life. Because many people, they take the test, they walk away from the test, they put the test down, say, it's too hard, can't do this. And Jesus, all along, you remember, God all along kept telling the children of Israel, you know, he kept telling them, he gave them his law, he gave them his rules, he told them how he expected them to live. And then it came a point in time that, that he said, now I, I want to put all this to the test. I heard the students yesterday, they were at graduation, my daughter's graduation, they were talking about all this stuff about tests and going through all this stuff. But see, it's wonderful to see them come out on top, isn't it? Amen. That all the struggle, and they had to take the test and all the late nights up, but, but, but it's good you see them walk across that aisle and, and, and they graduate. How many know, here's the thing you got to understand about a test. You would never ever, God, God, don't, God don't just skip grades. God don't pass you if you ain't prepared. You can't go to the next level until you master where you are. God will keep you in the classroom. I've learned it. I'm telling you, you better listen to me. Until you learn what God wants you to learn, you will stay, you will go no further. You will stay where you are until you figure out what it is that God is trying to say to you and what it is that he's trying to do in your life because he's ultimately, he's wanting to conform you. God is taking you someplace. Your life ain't on autopilot. It is just not happenstance with the people of God. God is taking you someplace. And the question is, are you getting it? Because the children of Israel, they roamed in that wilderness for 40 years because they never got it. I want to spare you. Pay attention in class. 
while you're going through what you're going through, pay attention. Listen up because God is saying some things to you. And until you get it right, you, you will not pass to the next grade. And there'll be some folk that'll go right by you. And you'd be like, how'd they get up there? Because they were in class, they studied, they paid attention, they passed. What you gonna do? Test. Now watch, let's keep going. So he says, let's go back to verse 2 in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He said, you shall remember the Lord your God who led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you. Well, I didn't know God gave tests. There you go. To know what was in your heart. Whether you would keep his commandments or not. In other words, can you keep God's commandment and give God praise when everything in your life is all jacked up? Can you give God praise when your conditions are not favorable? Can you give God praise when you've been believing God for two, three, four, and five years? Can you still worship him with the same kind of enthusiasm as if he gave you everything you believed him for? Can you worship him then? Because if you haven't, or if you can't, you haven't learned to live. You're still living on bread of the world. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of my heart. God don't want you trusting in nothing and nobody except him. <laughs> God wants you to be completely and totally relying on him for everything. You ever see, I'm not a, you ever see the little birds when, when they're first, when they're hatched and they're in those little, in that, in that nest and, and you ever see a picture of the little birds with their, with their mouth there and they're just going tweet, tweet, tweet and they're just sitting there waiting for mama bird to come back. That's how, that's the picture God wants. That if, if mama bird don't come back and feed them, they ain't going to make it. You got to get to a point where, if, where you say, God, if you don't bring me out, I ain't going to make it. Only you can help me. Only you can deliver me. Because, and boy, you're talking about God getting excited. You're talking about moving God then. Let me tell you, he moves. When his people say, Lord, I need you. I can't make it without you. God, I need you to move my life. I can't do anything without you. Lord God, if you don't help me, I'm lost. I can't make it without you, God. Now watch. He wanted to know if you keep his commandments or not. In verse 3, so he humbled you. He allowed you to, hunger, to, to go hungry. <laughs> Every time I read that, it just amazes me. Because you need, you need to think about that. That means God allowed them to go through it. You're going through a test, God allowing you to go through that test. You're like, uh-uh. God says, I'm allowing you. I know what you're struggling with, and I'm going to let you go through it. Well, God, I don't want to go through this. That ain't the point. Because you're going to have to go through this in order for me to take you to where I want to take you. And how many know that it's much better when you walk with God? No matter how it feels right now, even if you're upset about it, let me tell you something. Don't walk away from God. Don't you don't put him down for one second. Watch, let's keep going. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. He fed you with man of which, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of who? God. It's a test. 
Was you struggling this morning? You got something going on right now? I'm telling you right now, it's a test. And I want to ask you again, how are you doing in the classroom? But I'm glad to know I got good news. God does retest. <laughs> and, and he retests over and over and over again until we get it. Because he is, see, God is committed to your success. Amen. God is committed to your prosperity. God is committed to seeing that you're taken care of. But jump on over to Genesis chapter 22. Because y'all, y'all looking at me like y'all don't really believe that God tests us. Now watch. Y'all know about Abraham, right? Now you remember that God kept saying to Abraham, in Genesis chapter 12, God said, Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to bring you out. I want you to come out from everything that you're familiar with. I want you to leave your family, your relative, your property. Abraham, I want you to leave every place, and then I'll tell you where I'm going to send you to next. Just leave. God said to Abraham, Abraham, here's what I'm going to do with you, Abraham. I'm going to make you a blessing. And you, Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Remember, God is, God is committed to your success. So he told Abraham, said, Abraham, in you, in your seed, all the families of the nations are going to be blessed. But Abraham, I want you to step out. And so Abraham steps out in faith, right? Abraham. The father of faith. He steps out in faith. He steps out in faith. And, and, and then while he's walking in faith, every now and then God will speak to him and say, Abraham, I want you to look up in the heavens. Can you count the stars? No, daddy, I can't. That's how many descendants you're going to have. Can you count this, the, the sand on the seashore? No, God, that's how many of your descendants going to be. Before anything happened, Abraham hadn't had any kids at that point. He just got a word from God. He just got a word from God. Now watch this now. So here we are, fast forward to Genesis chapter 22. So, so now God has been talking to him. Abraham had been in the classroom. But how many know it's test time? Look at the name and say, it's test time. How many of you get a little anxious when you have to go through the test? I remember in college, man, I used to study. I used to know this stuff. But, you know, I, I did feel I had a little bit more confidence when I knew my stuff, though. When I knew I knew my stuff, I was ready for the test. But if I, if I wasn't sure, if I was kind of like, you know, I'd be like, there's a little anxiety because I know I got I to pass this test, you see. You see, you got to pass the test because if you're going to get this level of provision, you got to pass the test. Now watch this. So it came to pass. Look at verse chapter 2. Y'all there in Genesis chapter 22? Yes. Come on, y'all act like y'all excited about this. Come on, work with me. Work with me. Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things, after what things? After everything that Abraham had been going through and what God had been talking to him about, you remember God just turned this man's life completely upside down. I mean, come on, if God come and tell you to give up and leave up everything, I mean, no, your life is flipped. And it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. What did he do? He tested him. He tested Abraham and said to Abraham, he said to Abraham said, here I am. And he said, watch this. Here it is. Here it is. This, this is a verse. We all love this, right? And he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on, uh, on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. Now, let me say this. It was never God's intention to kill Isaac. Let me say that again. It was never God's intention to kill Isaac. 
See, what you're going through is not to kill you. God is a good God. And God means well by you. So what you're going through is not designed to kill you, but to prepare you for the next level of blessing or provision that he has for you. That's all it was. So when God, see the Bible said it came to pass that God said, okay, Abraham, time to take a test. And boy, did Abraham pass that test with flying colors, didn't he? If you keep reading, boy, Abraham took his boy, took his son, said, let's go, boy. Let's go, let's go, let's go. I mean, no, that's, that's a man who understands what it's like to take a test, to be in the classroom of life. He jumps up, brings his boy up there and, and get ready and laying his boy up on the altar. And his son said, Daddy, Daddy, I'm paraphrasing. So look, so, 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 so what up? So I see the wood and the fire, but, but, but where's the sacrifice? Where, where, Daddy, where's the sacrifice? Son, get up on there. I mean, you know, we look at that, we think it's, it's, it's just crazy, isn't it? I mean, God, God tested Abraham. Why did God do that? Watch, 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 watch. Look at verse number nine. And then they came to the place. We're still in Genesis chapter 22. Look at verse number nine. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there. How I many know you need to build an altar when you're going through? An altar is the place of worship, sacrifice. And placed the wood in order. And he built, and he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. What was God saying? He was saying the same thing that Jesus said. You got to seek first the kingdom. In other words, you got to put my own interests above your, above your own. You got to put God's interests above your own. And God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I know I made you a promise, and I know you've been believing for years for Isaac, but Isaac can't be more important than my purpose for your life. Because I gave you Isaac. He gave us everything that we have. Isn't that right? Is that right? So, so God was saying, so, so God was saying to Abraham, Abraham, I want to test you to see what you're going to do. And Abraham said, okay. And how many know Abraham, did you read the scripture? Abraham, it didn't sound like Abraham like contemplating. He was like Abraham was going for it. And the angel had to come up and say, whoa, 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 this boy, whoa, whoa, whoa. This boy got crazy faith. <laughs> this boy believed me. I mean, he really, God said, now I know. He said, I know now this boy believed me, and all it did was affirm what God had already said that he was going to do in Abraham. And that was to bless him and to make his name. See, see here's, here's the thing you got to understand. God has already have your provision. Now, let's keep reading, because here's what happened. Watch. Look at verse 13. Then Abraham lifted up his eyes, and he looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket. By his horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And then Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Say that with me. The Lord will provide. Say it nice and loud. The Lord will provide. One more time. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. 
Now, I got a question for you. Do you, just happen, do you think that ram just happened to show up? Where did that ram come from? How do you know God had already got it? See, whatever you're going through, God already got a ram in the bush. There's already a ram in the, Your provision has already been set. You're sitting here worrying and stressing and about to pull your hair out. God has already made a provision for you. He sent me here to tell you, just stay there. Stay in the classroom. Take the test. Don't go nowhere. Don't move. Keep doing what God told you to do. Because the provision is already there. That ram didn't just happen to show up in the thicket. God was saying, Abraham, I, I want to see where you're really at, son. You say you love me? So easy to come here and sing songs and say, Lord, I love you. Lift your hands. But, but how many know? Jesus said, if you really love me, you do what? Keep my commandments. Amen. You say you love me? Do you do what I tell you to do? If you don't do what I tell you to do, you don't love me yet. You like me. <laughs> you like some things about me. But you don't really love me. You don't love me until you come to a point that whatever I tell you to do, you do it. Even if it hurts. Even if it's hard. And I've learned the longer I live, the harder the test gets. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, when I first started in school, they started with addition. Then it went from addition to subtraction. Then it went from subtraction to division. And then it went from division to, to algebra. And then it went from algebra to calculus. I mean, it just kept going. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. It's too hard for me. Some of you right now say, this is too hard. I want to tell you this. This is the part of the process of how God provides for his kids. Now watch. Y'all remember this story. I don't have time to read it. But just take a look at 2 Kings chapter 17. Y'all remember what we talked about last week? You remember the story? Watch this. The woman, the, the woman at Seraphat? The widow? I want you to read in your spare time. That's uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17. This woman was about to die. There was a famine because the, it had not rained for years. And the man of God come over there and said, woman, she said, he said, give me some of what you got. Give me that food. Give me, give me, give me, give me some flour. Give me, give, give, give me some cake. Give me some bread. She said, I, I, I only got nothing but, but flour and, and just a little oil in a jar. And me and my boy, we're going to eat this. We're going to make a fire. We're going to make us something. We're going to die. And, and Elijah said, here's what Elijah said. Elijah said, well, well, before you do that, make yourself something like you said, but first give me mine. See, give me mine first and then. Go ahead, turn there real quick. I want, to, I want y'all to see it. Run there, run there. We only got a couple more. A few more. Can, y'all, can y'all spare me a few more minutes? Amen. Amen. Look at verse number 12. Uh, look at verse, I'm um, for 1 Kings chapter 17. And look at verse 13. And Elijah said to her, some of y'all are going to just have to catch up. Do not fear, go and do as you said, but make me a small cake first from it. And bring it to me, and afterwards make some for yourself and for your son. Afterwards. See, 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 God was speaking prophetically through Elijah. It's the same principle. See, woman, if you want your deliverance, what you need to do is give God his first. 
My wife has said something this morning, and every time you hear it, 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 it make our, we just get a little bit uncomfortable. Because here's the thing, that, that, that if, you really want God, if you really want God to provide and bless you, if you want God to bring about what he promised in your life, then you, the best way to do it is to give your way out. It don't make sense to the natural, but you got to understand, God wants you to understand something that you got to trust me. And it's scary, isn't it? Because I don't want to do that. I don't want to, God, because I got to take care of myself. I got to, yeah, God knew all of that, but he said, my kingdom's still coming for even all of that. It ain't about gimmickry. Y'all know that, right? Amen. It's about faith. It's about faith. It's about whether or not you're going to believe God and take him at his word, or are you going to play church? Are you going to play with this, or are you going to finally resolve in your mind that, you know what, I'm going to give God his first. Now watch what happened to this woman. For thus says the Lord, this was a prophetic word for the woman of Zarephath. Here it is. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according. What? She went away and did what? According to the word of who? And she and her, what? She and he and her household. Now she only had just a little bit for her and her son, but she, her, and her household. How many know that the the favor of God a lot of times is 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 just spill over to other people. See, God, God don't just bless you with just enough. He wanted to give you more than that because he's always thinking bigger than you. You got to get your eyes off of you. This ain't just about you. The problem is we just keep thinking about me. The me church. It's all about me, Jesus, and all this is for me, for my glory and my fame. No, it's not. It ain't about you. It's bigger than you. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, verse 15, and she ate and he and her household ate for many days, and the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. Wow. So the provision, when did the provision come? The provision came when she put God's interest even above her own. Now, before anybody ever jumped, jumped the gun on this, this woman was about to die. She'd had nothing. She gave God her best. Abraham gave God what? His best. The little woman that put a penny in her offering plate, she gave God more. Jesus said that this woman gave more than everybody else who have tons more than they did because that's all she had. See, we got to be a people to learn to give God. We, we got we to take, see, God is saying, look, seek first my kingdom. That means, you know what, that, you know what, I'm going to put him first, and I'm going to take him at his word, and I know it's going to be hard. For some of you, it's going to be hard. For all of us, it's hard sometimes, especially when you're looking at your situation, you're thinking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you want a pastor to tell you the truth, or you just want me to make you feel good? I hope I can do both. But I realize that this thing, that, that God has a principle in the earth. And that that is that we sow, we reap. And we sow abundantly to God and we reap. Now, now last verse we're going to look at. Look at John chapter number 6. Run there if you will. 
I got to give you a New Testament example. You all are familiar with the story of 5,000, right? The story of feeding the 5,000 here. Amazing story. Amazing truth. After these things, verse number 6, chapter 6, verse 1. Are you there? You say amen. amen. Watch. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him. A great multitude, watch. Because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain there, and he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover at Feast of the Jews was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seen a great multitude coming toward him. And oh, watch this, watch this, watch this. Y'all ready for this? I love this. And he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Now, why would he ask Philip that? Well, you get your answer in the next verse. But this he said to, but this he said to what? But this he said to what? For he himself knew what he would do. <laughs> Jesus had already knew that he was going to, he had already provided for all those 5,000. It probably was more than 5,000 because you got all the kids and everybody else. And, you know. But Jesus already had knew that, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I've already fixed it. I'm going to provide for him. But I'm going to see how old boy Philip is doing. Philip! We got all these people, Philip. How are we going to feed them? Philip's response should have been, well, you know, Lord, I ain't worried about it because I know you're Jehovah Jireh. You're going to provide. You're my Lord. You're my master. You figure it out. But oh, Philip, what, what did Philip say? <laughs> he said what a lot of us would say, right? You know, let's listen to what old Philip said. Y'all think Philip was a man of faith? Watch, watch him. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, as if Jesus didn't know that. That every one of them may have a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, then, then, then you know, how many know that spirit of unbelief just started to spread? So one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a little lad here who has five barley loaves and two little fish. But what are these among so many? How in the world are we, I mean, come on, God. God, I got it. I only got a little bit. How many know you, you should always have an offering for God? I said, you should always have an offering for God. So Jesus already knew, watch this, he already knew that what he was going to do before he even asked the question. God already see your provision while you're going, while you believe in God, you're going through that, that's already taken care of. You got to believe, you got to say to yourself, wait a minute, what I'm believing God for is already done. So in the process, I'm going to walk with him, and I'm going to believe him in the process. I'm not going to doubt. I'm not going to get up. I'm not going to throw my pen down and leave the classroom. I'm not going to get mad and turn my back on God because it's hard. I'm not going to stay here because I know everything I read up to this point. It, it says that God, is, oh, God has to take care of me. Because Jesus said, he said, if you seek first my kingdom, everything else is yours. I got it. How many of you really believe that? Amen. No, no, I said, how many of you really believe that? <sighs> I would say this, whether you believe it or not, God's word is true. Amen. Then he said, make the, Jesus said, make the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place so that the men sat down in number about 5,000. 
And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to those sitting down and likewise of the fish. And as much as they were. Look at verse 12. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so nothing is lost. How do they go from almost nothing to more than enough? I don't know about you, but I've just determined in my walk with God. I keep telling myself, I don't want to be one of those that, that, that when God shows up, that I act like I, was, I had to fake it like I was believing him all the while. Somebody said, I got something. Yeah. That bothers y'all? I'm sorry. I get it. All right. Does it look better? Okay, thank you. I don't want to be one of those that have to fake it. Amen. You know, I don't want to be one of those that, that when God finally shows up, I act like I was in faith. You know, some some of God's people do. Man, I believe in God all along, man. I mean, oh, you know, you, brother, you were scared. You were running in here. You know, you were hard to come to church. Couldn't read your Bible. Couldn't pray. I don't want to be one faking it. I want to be walking in faith while I'm going through it. So that when it comes, I don't have to act all surprised and shocked. Because if I act surprised and shocked, then I didn't really believe that God was going to provide for me. But if I know he said in his word, seek first my kingdom and everything will be added, then when I do get my provision, I'm not acting like it's the first time. Whoopee! Now it's not to say we shouldn't be happy. But, but, there should be, but there should be a quiet confidence to say, yeah, yeah, God, God provided, but you know, I, you know that's what he do. Amen. <laughs> that's who he is. He's Jehovah Jireh. He said he was going to provide for me. I ain't got no, I'm not going to sit up here and act, I mean, hey, hey, I'm happy, praise the Lord, hallelujah, but you know, I was praising him when I was going through it, and I was reading my Bible, I was going to church every day, I was still loving him, I was loving his people, I was forgiving, I was serving, I kept doing everything I was supposed to do while I was waiting for God to move. How are you doing in the classroom? In closing, and we're done. We talked about three, three, three uh, stories today. We talked about Abraham. We talked about the woman of Sarah. And we talked about Jesus feeding the 5,000. What did all three of those passages have in common? They all had a, number one, they all had a need. Number two, they put God first. They put God first. Do you hear me? They put God first. Have anybody tried that, honestly? For some of you who've been walking with God for just a little bit, but a lot longer, have you really put God first and you've seen God move in your life? Can you raise your hand? Did you really put him first? Number three, watch this. They gave God their best. They, look, they didn't shortchange God. How many know that I said, I think I said this last week, the economy is bad, but not in the kingdom. Amen. You mean tell me because the economy is bad, the people of God stop giving, we're supposed to be giving more. Because the kingdom is what? Number one. The kingdom of God. I mean, I want to make sure that is taken. I'm not going to compound the problem with my bad decisions. Because if we're really honest, a lot of us are in financial straits because we made some bad decisions. I'm not going to compound the problem by not giving to God and making sure that his kingdom and that his work goes throughout the earth because I know that's eternal. Amen. They gave their best and then finally when they gave their best God provided huge. He provided. So what's the key to God's provision? Passing the test. Staying in faith and doing everything he told you to do and believe that while you're going through it that you already have it. Amen. 
You may not know how. You don't even know all the details, but you believe. You know, you know what? I know God's provided for me. Well, how do you know, sister? I didn't know because he said in his word, he will. I don't know the details, but that's okay. I don't need to know the details. I just need to walk in faith. Amen? Heads about, eyes are closed. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you, Lord God. You're God of provision. Time and time again, God, you've shown yourself faithful. And Father, we thank you for the, the greatest of provisions in that you gave us your son, Jesus. Without that, Lord, we would not have life. None of this would matter. And if you're sitting here this morning, and I want the saints to pray, those of you who know God, if you're sitting here this morning and you know that you have never accepted the provision of God, and that is his son for your sins, I'm not talking about just going to church or knowing about God or doing a couple or a few religious activities. We're talking about a real relationship with Christ. If you're sitting here this morning and you know in your heart that you have not made the most critical of all decisions to give your life to Jesus, then you need to do that today. And, and, don't, and, and this is your eternity. This is serious business. Hell is real. Hell is real. But Jesus is better and he is life. He's saying, Pastor, I'm not sure if I die today, I don't know where I'm going to go. I hope I go to heaven, but I'm not really sure. Well, today you can know. And if you're not sure today, but you want to be sure that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. If you have any doubt in your mind, then slip your hand up. We just want to pray with you because we want to see you on the other side. We want you to be there. You don't know what will happen to you in the next few moments. You don't, know, you don't know what the next few moments will hold for you. You may not live another day past today. Jesus says, if you hear his heart, don't harden. If you hear his word, if you hear him, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your heart. He's speaking to you this morning. If you don't know him, give your life to him. Is there one who would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm not right this morning. I'm not saved. I, I know I'm not saved. I, 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 I've been going through the motions. I've been acting like it, and I've been playing religion, but I'm not saved. Is there one who want to get it right today? Slip your hand up, and we want to pray with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And to the people of God, you realize this morning, through the preaching of this word that your priorities have been out of whack. That perhaps you have not made the kingdom first. Perhaps you've made some room in certain areas of your life, but the kingdom of God has not been the driving force behind your decisions. If that's you this morning, he said, Pastor, I want to acknowledge before God. I'm not going to ask you to come up. I'm just going to ask you to sit and raise your hand. This is between you and God. This is personal. You know in your heart if you prioritize the kingdom. You know in your heart if God's kingdom is number one in your life. By raising your hand, you're saying that, you know what? The kingdom of God has been not been the top priority in my life like it should. If that's you, raise your hand as a show to God of faith, that God, that today you intend to make that right. That's one. I see that one hand. Is there another? Is there another who said, I haven't made it priority like I should? Is there another? 
Amen. Amen. Father, to that person that raised their hand, Lord, I thank you for their honesty. Father, I thank you for their, their love for you and the Holy Spirit. And I believe there were others, Lord, that, that are still trying to figure out how you fit into the grand scheme of things. Father, I pray, Lord, that the brother that raised his hand, Lord, that you would give him a double portion of favor and blessing. Because, Lord, you give mercy to those who humble themselves and realize where they are. And I pray, Lord God, that not only, Lord, that you would meet his need, and we know that's already done, but that you would do something, Lord, even extra special to, to solidify his faith. That he know, Lord, that you're with him and you're never, ever, ever going to leave him or let him down. You're faithful, God. Just show yourself strong in a very profound and fresh way. And to the rest of us, Lord, Father, continue, Lord, to help us to evolve. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you for the people that you've brought together, this family of believers that loves you and that gives because they love you. And that, Lord God, that we are intent on spreading this gospel. Father, we have so many things we want to do. We want to build a school where we can train those coming into the kingdom of God and prepare them and equip them, Lord. We want to support other missions all over the world, Lord. We want to build a staff of people so that we can devote our time fully and completely, Lord, to the work that you've called us to do. There's so many things that we need to do. But Lord, we thank you for the manna, hallelujah, that you've given us in this church in this season. But I pray, Lord God, that we would go deeper and greater into a more profound surrendering of our life to you and Lord help us to be balanced in the process we need to be need balance in our life help us to be balanced and know what that means and Father we give you the praise in Jesus name amen amen won't you stand to your feet hallelujah and give God praise as you stand up and um, if anybody desires special prayer for anything uh, I'll be up here and we'll, we'll pray with you and believe God for you uh, Fathers, I want you to say, um, have a happy Father's Day today. And uh, I'm sure your wives are going to take good care of you because you took good care of the, the ladies on Mother's Day, didn't you? Didn't you, fathers? So, so they're going to get the, the favor return today. Hallelujah. So go and enjoy yourself. And just listen. Don't worry about a thing. Give your problems over to God. Whatever your concerns are, just declare right now, it's over. I'm not worrying anymore. I have a promise from God, and I'm going to walk and enjoy this life that he's given me, absent of worry. I mean, no, it's not spiritual to worry. Amen. I don't care what the devil tell you, it is not spiritual to worry. So get rid of it. Hallelujah. Get rid of it and enjoy your life today. Amen. Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you. We love you. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless, faultless, without blame, holy, acceptable in your sight. To him be glory, dominion, now, power, and forevermore. And all God's people said amen. 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 Be blessed. We'll see you next week. Bless you.